Hello and welcome to Renoites, the podcast where I talk with all kinds of folks who are doing interesting and important stuff here in Northern Nevada. My name's Connor McQuivy. I'm your host. Thank you so much for checking out the episode this week. Today's episode was recorded live in front of an audience at Black Rabbit Mead. About once a month or so, we do a live episode taping at Black Rabbit Mead. It's always really fun to have a live audience. It's a little bit different vibe. This week's episode is with Tim Mahoney and Annie Saunders from Reno Improv. It was really, really fun to talk about the art of improv, the different forms of improv, what makes improv funny or not funny. Really fantastic to have them on the show and a really fun live experience. We played a handful of improv games at the end of the show, so it was kind of a episode taping and improv show all in one. Some of that also is on this episode at the end of the show if you want to hear me struggle through some improv games. It was really great to have folks there in person, and thank you so much for listening. We have another live episode coming up very soon, actually next week on Thursday, May 11th. I'm going to have a live episode at Black Rabbit Mead. Again, that's Thursday, May 11th from 7 to 9. This one is with Brad Bynum, who is the singer for the band Elephant Rifle, a very popular local punk hardcore type band, and they have a new album coming out. So this episode next Thursday is going to be both an interview for the podcast which you'll be able to listen to if you can't come in person, but also a listening party for their new album. We're going to do some Q&A, as we always do at our live episodes. And Brad used to be the editor of the Reno News and Review, so part of our conversation will certainly be about the state of local media, about print media, about dealing with the, the pandemic. The Reno News and Review shut down during the pandemic because of the loss of advertisers. Lots of interesting stuff to talk about, and I'm really looking forward to that conversation. So I hope I will see you there as well. Details, as always, are on my Instagram, at Renoites. If you have suggestions for future guests, please let me know. We are in the middle of recording the latest season of the show. I've got a handful of episodes recorded already, but there's sometimes a little more space for some last-minute additions to the lineup. So if you have anyone you'd like to hear on the show, or any topics you want us to cover, please let me know. Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at Renoites.com. And now, this week's guests, Tim Mahoney and Annie Saunders from Reno Improv, live from Black Rabbit Mead. Worse, and you managed to be late <laughs> to the... We've already started. I know. All right. No, I'm kidding. We're good. Are we recording? We're on? Oh, <laughs> Excellent. we had already started then. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our latest live taping of Reno Whites here at Black Rabbit Mead. My name's Connor. I'm Connor McQuibby. I'm your host. I host this podcast, Reno Whites. I started a couple years ago, and the last seven or eight months, we've done these live episodes here at Black Rabbit Mead. It is really exciting to have live episodes. It's a different kind of dynamic. It's really fun to have a crowd. And I'm excited. This week is with folks from Reno Improv. I know we have some Reno Improv folks in the crowd. Welcome. Woo-hoo. Thanks for joining us. My, my guests are Tim Mahoney and Annie Saunders, both from Reno Improv. Uh, what do you do at Reno Improv? I, I know that there's different roles on the board. I'm the treasurer. My name is Annie Saunders, and I'm the treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, my name's Tim Honey. I'm uh, the operations chair uh, over there. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about all the things that Reno Improv does. I know you do classes, you have uh, shows, you have uh, like beginner workshops that people can drop into at the theater. It's in the, the Wells Avenue neighborhood. Uh, but I wanted to start with the shows. So what can people expect if they come to a show at Reno Improv? Like, What does a, a typical show look like? A good time. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Annie's right. But also a, a different show literally every single time you come see a show. Um, we do 
So we have a different show running um, every single Friday or Saturday at, at 8 o'clock. And uh, if, it's, if there's nine Fridays and Saturdays in a month, we have nine different shows. Ooh. If there's eight, there's eight different shows. Ooh. And uh. so on and so forth. Um, but so literally, so we have a lot of different formats that we play around with. And within all of those, they're all 100% improvised and all made up on the spot. So. Yeah. Um, are the is the improvisation the only thing that's different about the shows, or do you use the same kind of games and formats and things, or is every episode a different type of improv or a different type of setup? I don't know. We'll explain more about these different types yeah, of improv: no, the sure. short form, long form. Um, yes, all of those things. We literally do. We we do a lot of things. We're not a theater that kind of focuses on one school of. Sorry, fading out here. Uh, we're not a not an improv theater that focuses on one school of thought um, necessarily. We like to do a lot of different styles of improv. We come from a lot of different backgrounds of improv training, um, which is, I think, the best way to do it. I mean, I mean obviously, I'm partial, uh, but. You know, people can get pretty prescriptive in the way they think about improv. It can become like a very dogmatic thing of like, you have to approach it this way. And, and I think um, we do a really good job of not doing that and, and kind of celebrating uh, all the nuances and differences that there is in the art form. Yeah. Does it kind of defeat the purpose of improv if it's strict and structured and you're only supposed to do it a certain way? Or like, how do those things, do those conflict with each other? I think that is like the biggest difference between probably uh, yeah i mean i think it's i my personal favorite style of improv to do is just completely freeform uh storytelling so there's like a narrative structure i guess in the sense that we want to have a beginning middle and end to what we're trying to do um so that's my personal favorite and there's shows like that at reno improv there's other shows that are more structured in the sense that they have like this format that exists, but if you were to ask any person or most of the people that come into the theater to watch one of those shows, they wouldn't be able to delineate what that is, right? So like, we can be like, we're doing a Herald tonight. Well, if you have done improv, you probably know what a Herald is. If you've never done improv, you probably don't know or care necessarily, right? Because it's like, I, I, I don't know. That's, it's, I feel like we get, in the improv world, get pinned down to like a specific thing a lot. And, and like I said, I think we do a good job of not doing that. And that's why, we're able to do nine very different shows um, over the course of the month. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned long form and short form, and we, like I said, we do those. We have a couple different versions of those types of styles that we do, and yeah. they're always, what'd you say? Yeah. A whole lot of fun. A whole lot a of fun. Always a good time. Guaranteed fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, for me, sometimes the structure is a little bit freeing. Like with a haiku, you know that you can say whatever you want within that format, but sometimes the, the boundaries give you more of an idea of what you want to do. So the different structures are not so much like restricting as they are just, you know, kind of giving you boundaries to your creativity to do whatever you want within. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that having no guidance at all and just saying, hey, perform seems way too, like, where do you even go? Yeah, intimidating. Right. Yeah, so I think sure. that makes sense that having some kind of idea of not necessarily the, the content of what you're going to say or the specific performance, but just an idea of kind of where to start. What's a herald? <laughs> it's a format that was developed by Del Close, uh, who's like a, a big name in the improv world. Again, if you haven't been doing improv, probably it's not a, a name that you haven't heard before, but um, <clears throat> he's a, a, 
on the improv, if there was a Mount Rushmore of improv, he would be up there for sure. And uh, he invented this format, and it was a format that kind of came along as a teaching format. And he liked to, he thought it was, like Annie said, it can be like freeing to know a structure and kind of know the parameters you're working within. Um, even when I said narrative, like we like to do that too. We get a genre that we play within and move forward. So um, anyways, uh, it's, it's a, basically a three-beat story that's happening with three separate scenes and I'm not I'm, I'll tell you I'm not the best person to talk about Harold I teach a lot of classes at Reno Improv there's one that I don't teach tell us and more about the Harold <laughs> but I know what it is I've performed in them and I've done them so the way it works is the the, the long and short of it and to, this will be super confusing but I'm going to say it anyways so you have a scene and then you have another scene so let's call it scene one or let's call it scene a no, let's call it scene one A. <laughs> this is so, so. This is going so well. Yeah, is this is why I don't teach this because uh, it's nonsense. Um, uh, I told you I like freeform. Uh, scene one A, scene one B, scene one C, and then you have a group game, which is just uh, you know this is where I like lose it. It's it's everybody on stage like playing this group hive mind game, a se separate from the the you know, scenes that pre-existed, right? And then you have the group game that ends, then you have a scene 2A, 2B, 2C, and then you have another group game. And then in the final iteration of that, you have a scene 3A, 3B, 3B, and 3C. And those are all, the goal of that final beat is to kind of weave all of those together in a way that kind of makes sense of why they existed in, on the same stage in that moment. That's fun. That, uh, that makes it sound no. less intimidating, honestly, to have some kind of structure or like um, idea of what's going to happen inside of all of this freeform madness. Are there are there some games that are more more difficult or more challenging? Like you said, you you don't teach Harold very much. Is it? Are there games that you don't like or games that are just uh, more intimidating or more difficult? I think for everybody, it's different. And this is unfortunately an answer with so many improv questions uh, with students uh, that come to and ask questions. They're like, how do I blah, do blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it depends or I, it's, you know, it's hard to say based on, like it's so much is based on context, based on your personality, the things you enjoy. Like for me, I don't like playing animals on stage. Like I just, I don't know. I just like, isn't fun for me and uh, I don't love it. Um, and I will do it if like the scene calls for it, like I'm there to support. I'll most likely try to figure out a way to not be an animal, though. My least favorite game is Point to the Ugliest Woman. That's my, my least favorite improv game. Have you we, never played that? We have, just PSA, we, are, we have never played that game at oh, Reno thank Improv. thank God. That's why Reno Improv is one of the best I was the just game. about to say, we haven't even mentioned, like, the fact that we try to be supportive and inclusive, and this yeah. is the first thing that goes. You played Point to the Ugly Woman? That uh, is one no. of my later questions. How, how are you supportive and inclusive and welcoming? I'm like, okay, uh, not Point to the Ugliest Woman. Good to know. Thank God. Thank God. Is that really a game that you played? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look, I've been doing improv for a long time, and like we feel like we've progressed as they a. They like as to an put us form. in our place. I was like, holy, this is not good, and I know you. I, <laughs> I was like, man, we don't do that at Reno Improv. <laughs> I'm so shook right now. God bless Reno so, Improv. They would never. <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, we talked about long form. Can and you short imagine form. playing that I just, game? I mean, let's play it right now. And don't see how point it. to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned long form and short form. Can you just explain a little bit about like how long is long, how short is short, 
you mentioned we'd met previously and you talked about doing like a full length, like a, a musical, like a full musical. Yep. That sounds long form. Uh, can you just give a couple examples of like what a long form is and what short form is? Yeah, absolutely. Well, to be glib, the difference is just length of time. And, and I really believe that because I'd much rather see a really great short scene than a really awful long one, right? Um, so for me, it's all about the quality of that you can produce within the time frame like, that exists. But I, on a technical level, I think that really the difference between short, long form and short form is short form is the easiest way really to do it and to, to probably describe it in the way that most people can relate to is if you've ever seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, that is short form improv. It's short scenes that are very game based. So um, a game would be, and we're, we're going to play some at the end of the podcast, so that'll be some short form improv. Um, a game might be something like they play like scenes from a hat where there's literally a bucket full of scenes. They pull one out and it's like, you know, uh, any suggestion of like two, two fish in an aquarium or whatever, and then they do a short little scene, whatever, something like that. Um, so they're really, they have a lot of pre-decided elements to them. Um, so it's like, you know, you might get the game itself, and then you might even get like the characters that they're playing. There are a lot of things. It's very audience interactive. It's one of the reasons we love doing short form is because it gets the audience involved. A lot of suggestions from the audience to help inspire the scene and, and game that's about to happen. Um, so it's it's fun. Uh, it's really like uh, for great for new performers because they're only up there for like they can only really be in a scene mm. for a couple minutes. So you, you can take a lot of risks, fail gloriously, which is always fun, you know, um, and and really like push yourself because you know it's going to be over soon. So like play big, bold, exciting characters and see what happens. Um, and that's for me. That's what like that's what short form is all about. Um, Long form is is much longer usually, but anywhere from 15 minutes to I mean our our musical runs for about an hour and 15 minutes from uh, start to finish. So and and I've seen shows that run for two hours with an intermission that are completely you know fully improvised plays. Um, so really any length you want to do uh, that's exciting for an audience, I think I think about an hour and 20 minutes is his most audiences thresholds and and improvisers' capacity to produce like a complete thing. Um, so long form can really be anything. That's that's your heralds. That's your. I mean, uh, that's what uh, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in California, in New York, or in L.A. in New York. That's what they do as long form. Uh, Second City does mostly long form. All of these big name, quote unquote, big name improv theaters that exist out there are mostly uh, long form driven, which is kind of ironic in the sense that most people only really know about short form improv. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Do you have a personal preference of what you like to do, or is, are there different skill sets in short form and long form as an improviser? Yes, but they're, I mean, that Venn diagram is very close to just being one circle. I think that, and you could even argue, no, there, there aren't a difference in skills. I think that there are certain elements of improv that, yeah, that make you a better, or better, ah, oh, man, this is where you're going to get me into, like, the <laughs> philosophy of improv, where I'm like, I don't know if there's any good or bad improv. It just kind of exists, <laughs> yeah. and you should, I mean, like... That, that's, a, that's a real answer, yeah. Um, it's very much, like, this ephemeral thing, so it's hard, like, I, I've been doing improv for 10 years, and I regularly, uh, like, have terrible shows, you know what I mean? And I would consider myself a pretty good improviser, but also... I think the willingness to have a bad show and learn from it and then go out and like make a different choices and make bold choices 
to see what happens differently and just be kind of willing to accept failure is, is kind of what makes a good improviser a good improviser, regardless of whether you're doing it for a 30 second scene or a, you know, hour and a half play. So, um, but high energy, that's good for short form for sure. But like a good microcosm for life is like discomfort is where the growth happens, you know, kind of, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I find that I like long form a little bit more just because I, I like having context for a character and having that moment of like calling back to an earlier joke is kind of easier to do with a long form. Whereas with short form though, the strength in that is like knowing when to end a scene and having the end of the scene be a joke. Whereas you only get to do that once with the long form format. But when you do a bunch of short form scenes, like you get to do a lot of like end scene jokes, which are often very hilarious. Yeah. The payoff is definitely quicker in a long form show. I think that's why yeah. it's probably the most audience friendly format that you see done you know a lot of people in the improv world will be like you have to have short form in order for it to be like a successful theater mm, yeah. um and i don't know if that's necessarily true but it's i also think watch. that it's an audience watch. enjoys it and it's like that should be a thing we and we like doing it too you know there's some theaters that are very and people in the improv community that are very like i don't do short form like that's for <laughs> beginners and for you know it's like i can't subscribe to that theory um I think like, short you don't like fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. yeah short form's really fun. Yeah. I always associate improv with, um, I always asso associate improv with, with comedy, right? Like a lot of improv is comedy. It's funny. You are funny people. That seems to be a focus of a lot of improv, but like stand up comedy and scripted comedy is very different than improv. But I assume that there is some overlap. Are there, like particular skills from stand-up comedy or from other forms of comedy that translate really well to improv or things that you do in improv that translate to uh, more scripted or prepared comedy? Like, what's that connection? Is that an inherent connection between being funny and being a good improviser? No. <laughs> are, are there improvisers who are not funny at all? No. No. <laughs> And again, so much is, uh, yeah. Um, I don't think you have to be funny to do good improv. I think that everyone who, like, subscribes to the ideas that improv, like, puts forward, which is, like, trust the people you're on stage with, um, do the scenes that your scene partner wants to do, and not just, like, come from a place of, like, oh, I got this idea, and this is my thing. Like, we're doing my thing. Like, be willing to say yes uh, in to the unknown. Um, those types of things can really I don't know what I'm trying to say I, I think like I'm having a moment where I forgot the For question me they're almost on, <laughs> on kind of, they're on the same spectrum of comedy of course but it's you know one version of this is very independent very kind of like every man for himself you're out there you've got the spotlight on you and you're telling your your type five you're 15 and you you're doing it on your own yeah. but improv is so much a collaborative kind of um cooperative experience where you've got four other people on stage who are begging for you to do well for their own sake and, and for the audience's sake that um, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like you're so alone. So I, w I feel like they're, they're both comedy for sure, but improv is just such a, a kind of special format that encourages this like 
cuddly, sweet team community that um, I never found in stand-up. Mm. I definitely prefer improv, even though I, I do find overlap, especially when it comes to, like, doing crowd work, you know, um, it is definitely kind of an on-the-spot, you know, how funny can you be in this moment based yeah. on what's presented in front of you uh, and keep it positive, like, you know, and dealing with hecklers, how to turn that situation around and keep it positive and, and keep everything going in your favor. Like, there are definitely improv tools that you can use in stand-up comedy, but I don't find that all stand-up comedians will thrive when they transition into the improv format because mm. it's just such a different environment. You go from yeah. the, the individual mindset into the teamwork I realized where I was going earlier you got, which it, was you there. got it <laughs> <clears throat> you brought me back to it but yeah ultimately like if if scripted you know comedy writers or uh, stand-up comedians can subscribe to those things I was rambling on about earlier um, then they'll be good to go mm -hmm. uh, because ultimately I think what makes comedy comedy is a unique perspective mm -hmm. and uh, like a willingness to share that with people mm -hmm. and whatever like kind of medium you can do that in you know, ours just tends to be in a way that's like we speak truths in the same way that stand-up comedians or writers do. We just do it in a like brainstormy, collaborative sort of way, like bouncing yeah. it back and forth. We speak tend to speak in more like universal group truths as opposed to individual truths, yeah. um, which is probably you know the big the big difference in this the type of comedy we deal with. I think, yeah, I think improv can speak to a more general crowd because it's made up of, I, I think the best improv is made up of groups that are unique in their composition too right not just for yeah. this diversity for the sake of diversity but in so much that very different perspectives bring all that to the table and you create this very unique like soup you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah the collaboration seems like a really big part of it yeah. are there what makes for good chemistry between performers on stage like, agreeability yeah flexibility agreeability um and honestly just to be the smarter you are the more fun you have i feel like with a team the kind of the 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 more of yourself and your your entire breadth of knowledge that you bring to yourself without any kind of filter um yeah. and i don't mean this and i'm like go oh, be as crass as you want to but it's like no be as yourself as you want to mm. because the more of your the truth of yourself that you bring and if everyone on the team brings all of the facets of their personality to themselves on the stage then you've got a diamond you've got this like incredible multifaceted great collaborative teamwork thing mm. so i yeah i just feel like being truly yourself bringing all that you can to the table um not having, this is going to sound bad, but like any sense of shame, <laughs> like, uh, because shame is often what, what keeps us from being a good performer. You think maybe people won't like this, but it's like, you know, honestly, if you think it's funny, probably the audience will think it's funny too. So to just bring you, the, the truth of yourself out there and the truth of your kind of lived experience out there along with your team and to support your, your team in their own lived experience and and elevate that and show the audience, I feel like that, that makes a good show. Agreed. Yeah. Love that. Do you, do you Love find, that. It's very new agey. <laughs> yeah. Man greeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you find that having people on stage to, uh, to bounce off of, to like uh, either align with or not disagree with, but kind of uh, you know, have contrast with, does that help you kind of hone who you are and what your comedy is and what your performance is because you have kind of this mirror of yourself or this other person on stage to work with? You're getting into like deep Jungian concepts of like the <laughs> self. <laughs> what are we if not reflections of the other? <laughs> like, <laughs> 
Yeah. Yes. Deep, that's a deep question. <laughs> uh, ultimately, well, I was gonna, you know, you asked what makes a good improv team, or like, I think the ability to like hang out together. Do you like spending time together? Um, I had an improv teacher tell me one time, like, all you really need to do is find people that you enjoy being around, like, go up to a mountain and decide to learn improv. And like, it's really, it was cheeky when he said it, obviously, but it. it holds true because like you can you figure out so much just work like that's why we we have we'll talk about like the programs we have later but that's why our classes develop so much differently than like our drop-in workshops right when you work with a group of people over and over you just you get to know them more you get to know a lot about them the things they enjoy the things that make them laugh the things that make them the characters they enjoy playing like so many things that you learn about a person um that I think that's the stuff that makes you good, like ultimately takes you from like knowing how to do improv to being a good improviser and like being able to perform well with a unit of people is, is that willingness to like be open to meeting and enjoying new people's company, right? Like, and not, mm -hmm. not kind of judging the simplest things. And we all play under the same like umbrella of rules of like, be nice to each other, uh, you know, leave out the things that are like, you know, racism, sexism, homophobia, misogyny, all those things that like, <laughs> don't do well with a, you, you know groups of people already it's not fun. yeah like leave that out and just like be willingness to be like your idea sounds fun let's explore it for the next three to 20 minutes or whatever like that's truly like that for me the willingness to you know be like yeah i'll try that that yeah. that is Often, that's if, a good improviser if you can't have a pint you can't have a scene <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if to believe anything you say. You <laughs> after you said about the point at the ugly woman in the room improv game. You don't like that game. I just. <laughs> it's an LA thing. We don't do that in Reno. It's, that sounds like an LA thing. <laughs> well, they much drove like me out. I moved to Reno. They pointed at the ugly. So one. truthfully, but like seriously, this is where my my fear comes from. It's like truthfully. Improv for a very long time was a like a white man's club. You know what I mean? So like to to much like everything, you know, it was a, <laughs> at some point or another like, well, like I'm I'm just saying so like this is the way it is. Right. And like like the the joke about improv group is it's like, you know, it's uh, five men and one woman, you know, and that's like that's the that's what you need to have an improv team. Right. I'll like be the girl. Right. Like you'll be and then you play all and that's all you ever play. Right. Is like the woman character. I'm the pink ranger. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So historically speaking, like historically speaking, that's the way it was. And this history is not that old. I, this is like historically speaking, 2010, you know, like uh, uh, and I think that uh, I'm lucky to so many of most of my mentors in the improv community and throughout my improv journey have have been, you know, female identifying folks. You are lucky. And <laughs> I think it's made me a better improviser. Being empathetic makes you a good improviser and not to say that men can't be empathetic, but like, you know, I think in the comedy world especially, like that is not a thing we think about necessarily. And being able to like sit back, take in somebody's perspective and also agree with it for at least long enough to explore what might come from that moment mm -hmm. um, is really difficult for some people. And, you know, I think it's, we've, I don't know, gone off on a tangent here for sure, but yeah, like, it's a good tangent. I'm not, everybody in the audience is like, yeah, stop. You've no, no, no. Um, all of those things make you a good improviser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll cap it there. How do you do that here at Reno Improv? So you are actively involved in shaping what Reno Improv looks like, and you have this perspective. So what do you do to make sure that Reno Improv is not the kind of environment you're talking about from you know earlier days? surprisingly easy 
Yes. Don't be a dick. Uh, Honestly. Well, and that's what we say. Like, that's so much of, like, teaching is, like, hey, don't be a dick. You know, be open to other people's ideas and have fun. And, like, do the things that you think would be fun. That's another thing we teach, like, very actively in, in all of our classes, but especially very heavily in, in uh, levels one and two, is, like, especially when you get, like, suggestions, right? If you've ever been to an improv show and, the, like, you ask for suggestions, like, you sometimes get not so great things shouted back depend and, and not at our theater really not at our theater but like um that happens plenty of places i go see the improv show like oh, i'm gonna shout out some funny stuff you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be the funny part of the show and like we tell our performers and our students like hey when you make suggestions do like make a suggestion of something you if if you can't think of, think of something that that person would find fun think of something that you would find fun and a lot of the crass negative suggestions that one might get like those are things that most people even the person shouting them wouldn't enjoy doing for more than mm -hmm. like a, it, like it's maybe funny in that moment maybe mm -hmm. but anything past like a minute of like really explore, exploring it like you can only do so much toilet humor for so long <laughs> I mean literal like toilet humor yeah, bathroom yeah. humor about yeah. bathrooms like that's <laughs> Why? Why do you want to? Why do you? I gotta ask. No. Unless that's the theme. Why, of the audience? Show. Why do you want to? I uh, usually I host a lot of shows, so usually I will be like, "Why would you would tell, explain why you want to see a scene <laughs> that only takes place in a bathroom for the next like?" It's shocking, and then they're like, "I don't have a good reason." They're like, "Good, we're not going to take that suggestion then." You know, but, and yeah. like you can train your audience too. The same way you can train your improvisers mm -hmm. to be supportive, uh, playful, you know, kind-hearted like performers. You can do the same with your audience in so much that like when that stuff happens, you, sh you, you put it, a stop to it immediately. Mm -hmm. You show no fear of like, well, I don't want to lose this person as a student. Like you explain like, hey, we don't have room for this. If you cross that line, we'll talk to you once. If you cross it twice, like it's, a, it's, it's not just, you know, improv is not the absence of thought. It's not just saying the first thing that you think is going to be funny. Like there are things you think about when you go on stage. Mm. If I talk about it anymore, I'm going to start getting angry. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like what, what makes a good improv show is, is the diversity of thought, of uh, having so many different people on stage and, and having a host that's good at filtering out the crap. You know, like Tim says, you know, you get a, a suggestion that's for like a bidet. It's like, oh, you don't want to watch these four people use a bidet for like 10 minutes. Like, honestly, give us a better suggestion than mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, just, um, you know, having a host that's good at filtering and, and having a, a truly diverse kind of performer uh, group is is going to lead to a better show. If you have just a bunch of people with the same experience on stage, then you're going to get the same story, the same lens through four different people using that same lens. But yeah. if you get different people, then you'll you're suddenly you're in Rashomon. You've got yeah. seven different angles of the yeah. same incredible story. And I think too, to like a company perspective, you know, how do we create that environment at our company? Is we've done it from the beginning and we're lucky to have founders and, and people that started the company who shared that same belief. Like no matter how small or large our company has been at any stage, I think there's always been that shared belief of like, you know, not diversity in the, in the, like, let's just check some boxes sake, but like, because being welcoming to all types of people is a good thing. And if you, even if, you know, you want to move one step past that for the sake of improv, like having a diverse perspective or diverse amount of perspectives is a, is a great thing for your scene work because it'll keep things surprising. Mm -hmm. It'll keep similar, like shared things that are still unique together. It's just, it, it's better for everything. And I think, like I said, we started that way uh, even before I was a part of the company and we've been able to 
as we've grown, as we've started to add levels of classes and, and grown bigger and bigger, um, just really like taught that from day one. Like this is how we operate. If you don't subscribe to that, like there do do something somewhere else. Like quite frankly, like not to be like aggressive about it, but it's like, well, there's no place for that here for so many reasons that we don't even really need to explain, you but know? It's just, it's just funnier to be diverse too, because then you're relating to a, the entire audience exactly. rather than just kind of one piece of the pie and just really drilling down this one piece of the pie of the audience. You're relating to the entire, you know, a community. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's, so when you ask like, how do, how do we do that within our community and or, or is it difficult or whatever? It's like, that's why I say it actually is pretty easy because because of how we started and how we've evolved, um, that message has always been front and center. And it's, if you, I, I think when you go and look at the best improv communities, not necessarily the biggest theaters or the ones that teach the most classes or have the, the biggest, the biggest yeah. names, but the ones that are in communities that are not major metropolitan area. Like we got, you got LA, like Chicago and New York as improv hubs. It's where all the biggest theaters are for everything, you know, but there are tons of indie improv theaters around the country that are doing awesome work mm -hmm. and that have a thriving community mm -hmm. and it's built it, like the work is, it, it, they feed into each other. The strength of the community makes the work stronger, the stronger, mm -hmm. the work makes the community stronger. It attracts new people. It attracts new people that maybe just want to be funny and get on stage, but then also buy into like, oh, maybe being an empathetic human being is also just a Imagine. better way to approach life, right? So like, yeah, I mean, it's good for a lot of reasons and it also makes it easy because, you know, I think, I mean, we always talk about the rules when we have our open drop-in workshops where it's like, here's the rules we play, play by. And I, I can count on one hand the number of times where we've had to like stop somebody from being mm -hmm. a little bit out of line. And, and that's, and I've, been there for Very few. hundreds of them you know what yeah. i mean like really hundreds and like i think sometimes too we get like in this state of mind where it's like ah oh, there's a lot of negative people out there i don't know if i want to try that because what if somebody says something that isn't like not every no just, improv just, yeah. I, it sounds like we're like yeah. i'm really like buttering the company's bread here but it truly is like not it's just not an issue that we really run into that often yeah. and mm -hmm. i am obviously speaking from a place of like you know straight white man privilege here a little bit of like maybe yeah. there's things that i don't notice a little bit but i would be hard pressed i mean i'm there all the time i would i would it's not a very big building we only have like 1100 playable square feet mm -hmm. i was i'd be pretty sure if i it knew it feels you like know, more it's way bigger <laughs> when the show starts all the walls crumble and, and yeah. the possibilities are endless yes there. Um, <laughs> but yeah hey there i hope you're enjoying this live episode with reno improv i just wanted to take a moment to tell you about a way that you can help support renoites financially this is a very local community oriented project and it does take a lot of time and a little bit of money to produce. One way that you can help make sure that Renoites is sustainable and continues to exist is to contribute financially through Patreon. I have an account on Patreon. It's a website that lets people support creatives, whether that's podcasters, artists, any type of creative work. You can sign up to contribute on a monthly basis as little as $3 a month. By being a patron, you're helping support the show and make it sustainable. And at different levels, there's also perks for patrons, things like stickers and t-shirts, early access to some episodes, bonus content, all kinds of stuff. So if you are interested in helping the show succeed, you can find out more at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash renoites. And now back to the episode. Yeah, Annie, you mentioned agreeability before, and I know that one of like the 
things everyone or most people know about improv is this idea of yes and and agreeing with the thing that's on stage and, and leaning into whatever the topic is. And I imagine uh, to kind of tie it in with the diversity conversation is when you say yes and that opens the door for you to like agree with your person on stage and then inject a little bit of your own idea or personality and contribute in your own way. Can you just talk a little bit about, for people who don't know this like, concept of yes and with improv, uh, what that is and uh, and how that applies to like the real world too, off the stage? Yeah, and I would love for Tim to elaborate after this, but I'll say that yes and is basically like, you know, you're, you're presented with an idea and so often in our cynical American society. <laughs> we want to We want to pay for this podcast with that voice. With, with something... <laughs> contrarian and say no but you're wrong because we're so often in society combating our own opinions and fighting against other people for our own opinions and just for a space at the table to to express our own opinions and saying no but this no but i'm valid and yes and is the opposite of that it's where you present your own experience and you're greeted with someone of privilege or not saying yes i acknowledge your experience and this is mine. And then you're present when you do this in a team of people and you're all yes anding each other. <laughs> Why does it feel dirty when I'm talking about <laughs> everyone's yes anding in this room? It's a sweaty room. <laughs> They're all yes anding each other. And it's it's just like this glorious, beautiful thing, and you've got this diverse kind of cornucopia of of opinions and and beliefs, and everyone is everyone is valid. Tim, take it, take it. <laughs> that was great. Kill me, <laughs> kill you, me. Did you say sweaty room? Yeah. <laughs> it just felt like too much yes and. We have air conditioning. So and we need some no but. <laughs> there are certainly pitfalls of yes and. But. For the most part, yeah, it, it's it's a thing, you know, it is. It's all about, uh, and he covered it, you know? I mean, it's really, it's like, yes, yeah, say yes. It's like this, it, the simplest way, and I, I've said this phrase so many times, or sentence so many times, but like, this, here, I brought you an apple. Like, the worst improv you can do, like, is be like, no, nah, that's an orange. Be like, all right, cool. <laughs> cool, man, thanks. Like, scene over, I guess? I don't know, where do we go from here? Like, it's, it's, not only is it like, it ends, it just ends scenes to not agree and find out, like, you can, say no as a character for sure. And that's, you know, and, it, and not like super advanced improv theory, but like, you know, and everyone as a performer has agency. So it's like, you're a pile of shit, you know? I'm like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. You're a like, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to do everything. But then again, like if you play with people you enjoy being around, and if you create this culture of, of uh, agreeability and, and community that we think we have, and we, we really feel strongly that we have at Reno Improv, you're not going to get offers like that. You're not going to get people that are trying to make you look foolish mm. for the sake of their own well, like for their own prosperity on stage, I guess. Um, so it is, it's all about like saying yes to the reality of something that might be right. And, and by saying no, especially literally saying no early on in scenes. I mean, again, if I offer you an apple and you say, no, that's an orange, like a, as a human being that does improv, I'm like, don't want to do improv with you. Thanks for nothing, you know. As, as an a as a member. character, I'm like, what do I literally? What do I do now? They'll be like, yeah. oh, I guess you're right, you know. Like, you know. So like, the, you have very few options. Like, not only is it just like not fun, it really, literally, just it, it'll put an end to whatever action, momentum, fun you've already created on stage. 
It's um, not fun to watch either. Like you no. pay ten dollars to have a good night with your girlfriend, and you're already you keep taking watching a, these people hate each other on yeah. stage. You're already taking a big risk coming to an improv show. I'm not yeah. saying don't no, come, no, no, it's not, it's not, it's <laughs> but a like date. It's a we don't know what's going to happen, and you don't either, especially right. So like we don't know what's going to happen. We and it's and, high stakes. It's sexy. Take well, your date. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, take that. Yeah, yeah. steamy in there. We'll turn up the heat. You know. So much yes and. Well, I, I imagine that having fun on stage is like a key component of a good improv show. Yes. And if you're with people who are making you not have fun on stage, the audience can probably see that and not going to have fun themselves. It's suffering. <laughs> yeah. Can, can audiences really easily read whether you're enjoying yourself or not on stage? Yes. The audience is the best director of an improv show. <laughs> okay, true. <laughs> like, if they see everything before it happens and after it happens, right? And you li- usually don't when you're in the scene or in the story, right? Um, I think and I tell my students this all the time and I know other teachers at Reno like we, we talk about this like an audience loves to see you fail as long as and there's a caveat right as long as you also are enjoying the failure like that's mm-hmm. when you're taking big risks in improv and things are going wrong and you're still having fun being like this is a nightmare but we're going to keep going <laughs> like the audience like the, the audience loves it you know what I mean they really do and, and they will love you for it uh, like truly like, that's what they're coming to see they want to see you take big risks and fail and have fun doing it because they know ultimately even if they don't right away even if they've never been into an improv show by the time the show's over they know like if those risks pay off they caught something magical you know they caught something and no one will ever see it again yeah. Like, so. That's why we don't record our shows. Be we, there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. This, one, this one's forever. Sorry. Uh, uh, I mean, on, on record. Well, so. <laughs> you we paid did, your eight dollars. <laughs> we don't record shows for the public, like for public consumption. We did do record like Zoom improv for two years uh, during a lockdown during We're COVID past that, shutdown. Tim. I Get know. Over it. But what I'm saying is like. <laughs> Yeah, we don't record the shows, not and not because like they wouldn't be fun to watch later, but uh, because simply because like there's something special about a live thing, and knowing that it only exists in that moment for those people, like it is, you know, we only have 42 seats in our theater, and like that intimate, like the intimateness of a space like that with a show that is inherently intimate and like has that vibe to it is something really like special, I think. I'm sorry, there's no better way to spend a Saturday than with a bunch of people who don't know what the hell they're about to do. It's like, there's just such an energy in that place on Willow Street that like is simply unmatched on a Saturday. I agree. If you have I, 10 bucks and a partner, take them. Well, and like, and a free hour because our shows are yeah. only an hour long. So like, go to dinner beforehand. You then know it's what I mean? over. Go to Tentor. Yeah. Have yourself the rest of the night. Yeah, we'll be there too. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, it, I... It, Obviously, I'm partial. We're partial. We run, we run an improv company. You know what I it's mean? We fine. run a theater. But, <laughs> like, there's a reason we, I was drawn to it initially, and it was, like, that magic of, like, oh, man, like, that happened right now for us. Nobody else, like, if you were here for it, we can mm-hmm. talk about it. If you weren't, like, you, we can't bring you into it. Like, you it was, had to it was, be there. It was it's ours. like the essence yeah, yeah. of had to be there. Yeah. 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 And the audience is such a part of the show, even if we only get one suggestion of like one word from you at the beginning of the show. There's God such bless a, you for saying cheese. Right. For like, saying Disneyland well, and you're for you're such a, a part of it because your energy and like you're along, for, I mean, you're along for the ride with us as much as like we're all on the same page, which is blank, you know? And um, it's cool. It's one of the only art forms that the process is the product. And... Like, you don't watch painters paint very often, you know what I mean? Like, you go and look at their painting, but, like, you don't get to see all their crumpled up shit on the ground. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Bob Ross is dead. And we put that out for everyone to yeah. see. 
<laughs> for I only ten dollars. Crumples for ten dollars. <laughs> Cut that part. <laughs> I mean, truly though, that's also the reason our tickets are only ten dollars. Like we, you know, a we want you to come back because it's good to see improv that goes really well and is it, once again like a once in a, a, you know, lifetime literally experience. Or it's fun to see shows that go really wrong and like the, the performers still enjoy <laughs> like the the attempt. You, like you don't get to see the attempt in <laughs> so many. Yeah. $10. Right. <laughs> well, you don't you just paid do, for the attempt. Yeah. You, well, you don't just do shows. You do, you do classes, too. So there are also people that are coming to the theater who are not trained improvisers, who are trying to begin and learn and experience that for the first time. And I think the, the biggest question is, how do you get them to overcome the idea of being afraid of being on a stage? Because improvising is scary like the biggest fear for most people more than death it more is? than like being buried alive more than spiders what? whatever is public speaking and so i public speak basically for a living i do a podcast i yeah i'm post surprised nights, hearing this from you and then i'm like oh my god but the idea of having to perform in like an One, two, improvised three. setting is like that's scary for me even as someone who speaks all the time so how do you get people to get over the discomfort of feeling silly or feeling uncomfortable. We yell right. at you. We say, get over it, Connor. <laughs> That's not working. We should have explained our roles in the company before. I'm the treasurer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Annie, you're about to do improv for the first time in how long tonight? I do the, I do the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only, no, Annie is very instrumental in everything we do. But, um, Wait, what was the question? Sorry. How do you get people over like feeling silly? Because oh, yeah. again, like I, I speak all the time. But question the idea, is, why do you hate Annie? <laughs> do exactly what yeah. I just did, which is like fail in front of them at the same uh -huh. rate that they will. I, unfortunately and fortunately, in my life, improv has led me down a path of like I don't, <laughs> like I make mistakes very openly, mm. um, and I don't really have any like fear of that or shame in doing so. Uh, it, it, and I think that creating all the things we've already talked about lead to this too really like is creating a place for as soon as they walk in the door where, where it's like it's fine whatever you you're you are enough you showing up to our space to want to do what we do and take part in it that's enough you're interesting enough like and this sounds like mr rogersy i get that but like it's so true yeah, but God and he was him. a great great man <laughs> yeah. um so like you are good enough and like your ideas are valid as long as you're willing to subscribe again to that like pretty loose umbrella of rules that we, I mean, if you, you know, you can't handle that, like, it's fine. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like, if you, you're really, like, you're good enough. Just being a human, you have your own, like, shared, unique perspective just by being alive and existing to the point that you've existed. Bring that to the table with everybody else on the same page. Really cool things happen. And, like, I think ultimately you really have to believe that. And it's like a, it's a weird thing to believe in. But, it like, I believe that with my whole self like really bring if you want to do improv we want you to do improv i want you at our theater like i don't care how good bad you think you are whatever if you can't do it the more you say you can't do it the more i'm going to want you to do it mm. truly like because i i think like it's good for you uh, in 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 so many ways but like really anybody can do it I, anybody i respect your opinions and i wish to subscribe to your newsletter <laughs> <laughs> How, uh, how do the classes work and who, who is coming to Reno Improv to, to learn and to practice and to take classes? Um, 
Well, so we run, we have, uh, right now, we have four levels of classes that we um, offer, um, although we aren't currently running a level four. We have a level one, which is just an intro to improv. We do a lot of short form, uh, like, so the game-based stuff that we talked about earlier, a lot of really short, palatable, you know, like, easy to kind of access games that Ooh, make people comfortable getting on their feet and, like, again, only giving them a short amount of time. Um, in that class, we also, like, really hammer home the idea of, like, it's okay to fail. In fact, mm -hmm. when you are willing to fail, you say things that are surprising, and then you're like, when people are failing live, and you know, just magic stuff happens for yeah. sure. Um, so that's level one is just really getting people comfortable in the idea of putting themselves out there, making mistakes, and not feeling the pressure of like I have like that. There's stakes. Improv is a very low stakes activity, right? Um, then level. So that's level one is just really getting people comfortable in the idea of trying improv. Um, Getting them to say yes to ideas instead of, eh, I don't know if that'll work, you know, mm -hmm. being willing to explore. Um, in level two, we keep building on those skills, but more with a long form frame of mind. So we look to expand our scenes and let them, and kind of take away the scaffolding of games to allow people to play in a more free environment. Um, we work on a lot on character development and like what it takes to build a character spontaneously in the moment using stuff that you already have on stage um, that's been given as offers, but also your own life as a, a you know lens for that character to exist through. Um, level three builds more on that, which so level two is called scene work one. <laughs> level three is called scene work two. Um, level level three is or level three is just more an expansion of th those topics and kind of fine tuning. That and also introducing elements like editing, which will allow us to build, go from scene to scene, transitions, things like that. Mm. We kind of continue to add on those skills and also give the players plenty of time to absorb them, play with them, mess them up, learn them a new way that we've never learned them before. There's a lot of, all of our classes are very collaborative in that sense, I think, too, where the teachers are learning a lot at the same time as there. And every class is like kind of its own organism that adapts and grows and things like that. And then anyways, sorry, back to level four is the Herald. <laughs> and we have already, you guys know everything there is to know about that. I spoke so clearly on it earlier. That's, just, um, that's a lot of information. I feel like you could learn more at renoimprov.org. <laughs> that's might. a lot of information. You trying to steer them away from the podcast? I'm just trying to get them to go to the internet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's all available online. At renoimprov.org. Um, what was that website again? Renoimprov.org? R-E-N-O-improv.org. That's right. Sorry, I just kicked your foot. Um, Kick it. Um, and then there was a second part to that question that I now forgot. What, uh, what, yeah, what, kind of, what kind of people come to, the, come to join the classes? Losers. <laughs> I, have a, I do have a, a follow-up question for that already no. right now. No. Uh, I like that you just you get that out of the way, and then I get to respond. Um, a lot of different types of people come to take classes. Winners. Yeah. Um, um, it's gone, Tim. It's gone. <laughs> so, really, we do get a really a lar a very very um, wide array of folks that come to take classes, our le especially our level one classes. All of the, like level two through four. You, we have the prerequisite of like taking the one before it um, or a similar experience at another theater. We're pretty um, easy going on that. Like if you've done improv elsewhere and you really feel strongly about like jumping into a certain level, we're not really going to hold anybody back from that. You know what I mean? But uh, for the most part, our level one is our most kind of diverse array of folks. We get folks that come to that class for so many reasons. I'd say about 30% of them are, I want to do improv. 
Now they all want to do improv because they took the class, right? But I, I think 30% are like, I'll, I've just really wanted to do improv for a long time and I'm here to do it. I was excited to see the class. A lot of folks are like, I want to work on my public speaking. I want to, you know, gain more confidence speaking in front of people. I want to uh, meet new people. <laughs> I want, I need from friends. Um, I, I mean, really, the the reasons for showing up at a class are, or to take a class are, are endless. I, I sell cars for a living, and I, my boss said that taking an improv class might help with the the you know back and forth. We get a lot of boss was right. We get a lot of <laughs> yeah. we do. We get a lot of like people in sales that are like, I just want to be more comfortable in conversational daily stuff. Um, okay. We get a lot of folks who are in like tech and engineering who are like, I don't speak to human beings enough and I would like to speak to human beings more and be better at it. Um, Talk to the eight of us. Yeah, um, yeah. We get a lot, like, so many different reasons and I've never heard one. Uh, honestly, the one that, that gives me the most pause when I'm teaching level one is somebody's like, I've always wanted to do improv and I'm just, I've been waiting for it to take a class for like years and now it's my time and I'm, and that doesn't give me pause, but I know it gives me a little pause because I know that that person's going to try too hard mm. and they're not going to, they're going to like have this, they already, you know, it's kind of like that old saying of like, if the cup is full, like how can you put anything else in it or whatever? Some, some, there's a better, more profound way to say that. <laughs> that there's beautiful. stuff in the cup already and like, how are you going to get more stuff in there? Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that person is probably going to try too hard, probably be a little more hard on themselves when they don't do a good scene. Right. Um, a person coming part. from a place of like, I'm just here to like learn a little bit about it. Improv seemed fun. Those are folks that A, tend to take all of our classes um, and B, tend to become some of our strongest improvisers. I think in the, it, like I, I can usually peg them pretty quick. Mm. I'm like, oh, you, you're here for an opposite reason, but like you're really good at this and like you will figure that out. You're going to discover it in some moment in class or on stage and it'll click and you'll be like, ah, yeah. I'm, I'm hooked. You know, that's a good thing. So. Well, as, as a never attended an improv class person, I'm terrified to actually play some improv game up here in a moment. <laughs> yeah. But I always like to take a couple audience questions as we have a live audience. Might as well take advantage of it. Does anyone in our crowd tonight have, have questions for our guests? One over here. Uh, how do you join the improv class and what does it cost? Great question. So um, I also didn't speak all that clearly on... Uh, what our classes entail. So this will be a little more of like a logistical Get approach. Get nitty-gritty with um, There are eight-week classes, and the level are... So we have an upcoming level one class that is enrolling right now, um, and it is going to be on Wednesday nights starting May 30th, First, May thirtieth, first. Uh, oh, so if you're free, if you're free right now, you can likely take uh, this. Class. Amelia, <laughs> Amelia Giles is teaching the class, and she's in the audience telling me uh, what days on her fingers. But she doesn't have thirty-one fingers, so it took a second. Um, it's on May thirty-first, so it's a Wednesday, May thirty-first. It starts and it runs from six to eight thirty p.m. There's eight classes; they run eight weeks in a row, unless it falls on like a major holiday, which Wednesday it won't. So um, it, the class runs for eight weeks, so you have excuse me, what is that, 20 hours of instruction, and Sounds then uh, a showcase at the end. So in the ninth week, you have a showcase, which is a show you get to put on with the rest of your class, and it's a, a ticketed thing that anybody from the public can come to. Most of the time, it's an audience full of Reno Improv uh, performers and supporters, as well as your friends and family. It's the... The student shows to me are our best shows. Yes, no, like, love a showcase. Like it's a, yeah. it's a room full of people who have been working very hard toward this one show. It's incredible. It's it, there and like they aren't our best shows because the best quote like technical improv is done. They're our best shows because the energy is 
the best. Mm-hmm. The audience is in a, like just wants them to succeed and have fun, yes. and it they always come together. The the they're so fun. Um, but so yeah, um, they run for eight weeks and then a showcase. They are. Uh, right now, you can enroll for $225. That's our early bird pricing. It runs up until two weeks before the class starts uh, when that two-week um, regular pricing, way more early bird pricing time than, than late bird. Or <laughs> Honestly, go to renoimprov.org. Yeah, yeah. renoimprov.org. It's under deal for eight weeks. Under events, um, <laughs> and it's, it's $275 during that two weeks before the class. So it's like a... 18-ish to 19-ish percent uh, discount. Don't make me do the math. No, I, I did it for you. <laughs> Ish math. Um, and uh, yeah, th- that's that's enrolling right now. I think it's actually close to, it's like half full, uh, roughly half full. Um, and we, What's we the do max ca- capacity for the class though? Yeah. Who's the, who are the most amount of people that will be watching you do this? <laughs> Technically, we only offer the class to 14 people and there's thank god yeah we don't want too many we want everybody to have a lot of time on stage like 14 people we found is a really nice number to make sure that everybody gets a chance to be on stage and and really learn by doing and watching our classes are at their best when they're full we've had a you know mostly full classes for a nice run now um because you get to watch a lot of improv in class and do a lot and really learn as a group Um, and like i said each class is its own kind of organism and they learn Every class is very different and learns it a very different way and in their own way. And uh, it's really, really a lot of fun. I mean, I, obviously, again, I'm going to say we're biased, but it's, it's a blast. Their, their classes are so much fun, and our teachers are really wonderful. I mean, I'm one of them. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> but anybody who teaches your class is going to bring their own unique perspective and, and teaching lens, which, again, like we talked about earlier, makes what we do really unique in so much that, like, all of our teachers weren't trained at Reno Improv. They were trained at improv theaters all over the country um, mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. learned from people all over the country and uh, brought that here. And we've kind of created our own unique thing. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Any other questions from our audience? I have a question for you, Connor. Yes, Giovanni. What's more terrifying? Are you doing the improv games that we're about to do, or are you interviewing Vice President Kamala Harris? Ah, uh, well, I didn't get to do that, sadly, but... Uh, yeah, I can fake laugh with the best of them. You need me to give a Kamala? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I would um, have been less nervous interviewing Kamala Harris because that feels easy because it's... Uh, I already interview people in a serious way. I'm myself all of the time. So I talked earlier about I do all of this different kind of public speaking things. Uh, technically, it's improvising because I'm not reading off a script, but I'm always me. Mm-hmm. including when I'm interviewing people who might be intimidating, I'm still just bringing myself to that. And I know when you improvise, you're also bringing yourself to it. You're going to need to be Kamala for this next no, game. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, God, no. Uh, th- I think that that's the intimidating thing for me is trying to... Oh, yes. Yes, Anne. Uh, trying to be someone else or trying to, to play a character or... I get very anxious around the idea of pretending. Even Halloween stresses me out a little bit. Where I'm like, Stop. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how to wear a costume. Uh, so yeah, I think that would honestly a little bit of improvising in a in a game format where I have to play a character. Uh, it's more scary to me than talking to almost anybody as just me being myself. That's a good question. Okay, Thanks, what Sean. about the Pope? The Pope? I'll, I'll interview the Pope. I don't even know anything about that guy. Whatever. Okay. Like, he's not even Next that big of a deal to me. we're playing the Pontifex game. Uh-huh. <laughs> Annie is not in charge of games. Yeah. I'm not. I made yeah. up three games tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's do it then, I guess. I'll get real uncomfortable on the stage, and uh, I'll have our guest Wait, lead us. Wait, are there any more questions? A, oh, we got, we got one more. Um, do you have a contingency? 
plan in place for if you ever find yourself in a situation where you shit your pants on stage? <laughs> yes, actually, I'm a WWE fan, and one time CM Punk shit his pants in the ring and absolutely made a storyline of it. So I think that I could play it off very well yes. or make it a medical condition that you would be horrible to make fun of me for. <laughs> yes, I shit my pants, and... You don't remember when CM Punk dookied his pants? No. He was wearing white trunks, my man. I, st I don't... I stopped... <laughs> You could pull a Paul Pierce and get wheelchaired off the... We're all Googling CM Punk shitting his pants. Uh, no, no contingency plan. Nope. I mean, honestly, you have a, you're, in a, There's a you're bathroom. in a group full of people who yeah. love you, who will... You don't yes and everything. You can know but that. Yeah. <laughs> no but I need to change my underwear. <laughs> yeah, it's a oh shit. <laughs> it's one of those things we talked about earlier where it's like in the moment that might seem really funny. And then, you know, like as the more we talk about it, it's like, oh, that's like a really unfortunate situation. Like she smells. <laughs> and maybe like not the best thing to be mined for comedic fodder. So my suggestion would be like, hey, we need to pause the show because a, a member that we of our team that we really care about has had a medical emergency. Yeah, we and let them we're just gonna We're going to make sure that we... they get taken care of and then we'll either continue with this same story or we'll get another suggestion to start a new scene. Mm -hmm. That's called a supportive community. It's and a safe space. <laughs> yep. You can do whatever you need That's to That's kind of how we would handle any unfortunate circumstance, yeah. I think. Yeah, truly. It's not that it's Honestly never happened Honestly and before. genuinely. Mm -hmm. Well, Please. hopefully... Oh, yeah. What bodily function do you have a question about? P. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Uh, we you, ignore you, it. You think, uh, you know, improv can help us uh, come together as a society? Uh, oh my yeah. god, yeah. Okay, so to quote Marianne Williamson. <laughs> I think so. In so yeah. much that, like, A, uh, like, with, like all the stuff we talked about earlier, right? Like, bringing a sense of empathy and a willingness to, like, be open to other people's ideas, not just on, like, a surface level of, like, yeah, sure, that, that sounds great, and then moving on. It's, like, really, like, saying yes and exploring an idea or mining it for whatever it's, it's you know, whether it's uh, serious or comedic or, or poignant or whatever, you know, kind of moment you're going to create. Like, improv is theater, right? Yeah. It's just, it, it tends to lean towards the comedic more often than not because there's so much... Uh, risk involved and failure potentially involved and well not even potentially but like you know we look at moments of failure as opportunities for un unexpected things to to bubble up from yeah. so it's it's one of those things that it like any art form can can bring certain people together you know i think improv is one of those things that it has a a, a like a leveling of the playing field value to it where it's like when you when you first start you really are really putting yourself out there and like getting up there with no plan and if if you're not supportive of that, like you would, you will feel those moments of like panic. Yeah. And it's not something we try to like teach out or avoid in class because mm -hmm. it's not like we don't teach you we don't teach improv to teach you how to be a perfect improviser or teach you how to not fail. We what we're really doing is setting up a stage for you to feel comfortable and safe to fail and to do so in a support like in a supportive way and like take that risk, fail gloriously and get up and try it again like a few minutes later. And I think all of those things I just talked about really like feed into inevitably bringing people together. You know, it's that, it's like, 
it doesn't matter. I've, and we teach corporate training and, and like team building workshops. So I've worked with, I just worked with anthropologists from all over the world. Uh, like one lady was like, I worked with Jane Goodall. And I was like, oh, I teach improv. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> renoimprov.org if you Somebody want to Somebody asked me the after the workshop, they were like, did you talk to them? Like, oh, what did they do? And I was like, I, I was there to teach them. They needed to learn from me at that moment. So, um, but like, you work with some pretty, at, at times, some fairly prestigious people. And improv, to me, I've never, no matter who they are, at some point, it will like bring you down, not like in a good way. You know what I mean? Like again, like it's very humbling, yeah. and uh, and challenging. Yeah, it's about it's about like like Toy Story. Like Buzz Lightyear was not flying so much as he was falling with style. <laughs> Just like to be able to fall gracefully and have your friends behold it and celebrate you as an astronaut yeah. is kind of the main like yeah. learning of improv. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I, one of my favorite, like, sayings for folks is, like, be willing to go down with the burning ship and, like, mm -hmm. you know, stand tall on the mast as it sinks into the ocean. And, Play like, violins on yeah, the Titanic. Yeah, we like, love them. Own the moment. And, like, <laughs> I, you know, and I, like, I, not to, like, keep talking about how I've been doing improv for 10 years or whatever, but, like, I love those moments where I'm in front of an audience and, like, there is nothing how there's no like they're not laughing at the thing that yes. i thought was going to be so like i love bombing i love it it's so fun yes because it i like truthfully it doesn't happen that often so like you know i mean I, and so when it does it's kind of like oh man i really thought that like and then i think those are the funniest moments of the show when something is not funny to anybody but me or like so me and my in. or me and my scene partner you know and like and it doesn't work uh it's like it works in a different way when it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So, You've those moments are so it. You've fun. You got to clown it. Yeah. They're so fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's fun to watch, trust me. It doesn't sound fun to watch, but it's fun to watch. They clown it. <laughs> well, we'll see it's if we happen. if we how much yeah. we bomb tonight. We're going to do a, a couple maybe longer forum things afterwards for the live audience, but for the folks who are listening on the podcast, we want to also do a little bit of improv games. So I'm not sure I have no idea what we're planning. I didn't plan this ahead. So uh, uh, I guess take it away. Tim, what do you want us to uh, to do for our podcast audience? Something short form and fun. Yeah, we're going to keep it super simple, all right? Because like I said, I do think improv is a thing that anybody can do. These are some of the first games I would teach in our level one class. Um, so anybody that's here from Reno Improv has played these games dozens, if not hundreds of times. And you're getting and it for free here on Reno Ice. Yeah, Unless you're right. paying for the Patreon, which you should be. Yeah, right. Patreon.com <laughs> You're getting you're getting the hang of this. Um, so we're gonna play a game called Yes and Experts, and I mean Yes and is built right into the title of it. it. This is, I think, the first game I would teach my level one students. It's like a staged game that we would actually put them on the stage. We do a lot of stuff like in a circle, like a warm an improv circle, which is just a circle that improv is done in. Um, so this is a game called Yes and Experts, and what's going to happen is the three of us are going to be an expert on a topic. We'll get that topic in just a second from the audience, and um, we only have to say like one sentence each about this thing. It's most likely going to be a topic that none of us are an expert in, um, which doesn't matter because we're just going to make some stuff up. Um, so one of us will start with a simple saying. Let's say we're talking about uh, whales, for instance, and we might say something like, uh, whales were first discovered by maritime you know sailors in the 1600s that's whatever. true <laughs> and then the next person is literally going to say the words yes and so this would be you in this instance and you might say something like yes and uh in the 1600s whales uh were thought of as uh ancient you know like 
beasts or whatever. You don't have to like even try so hard to make it up. Use the actual knowledge that you have because you'll run out eventually, right? So whales were, and yes, and in the 1600s, whales were used uh, for food and fuel. Great. And then Annie's gonna, or the next person will go, and they'll say yes, and so on and so forth. And we're just gonna keep building. Block brick by b brick by brick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're gonna build this short scene, and we'll call scene after like two or three, three or four times through the the three of us. God, I hope we get something good. <laughs> oh, and well, and if we don't, everyone it's a here good gets audience, to, honestly. Everyone here gets to live in that moment. Um, but so, a cup, uh, quick, uh, uh, a few quick tips on like how to be quote unquote successful at, at an improv scene, at this particular improv scene, right? Keep it simple. Right? Say the first thing that comes to your mind, but also make sure you're using what the person before you said. Right? So uh, it's called an offer, and, and we make offers in so many different ways. In this way, in an audio, like improv audio podcasts type situation, they're all going to be verbal. Um, but listen to like tone and all those things. You can tell a lot about what a person says by all those different aspects of, of you know, language and speech. Um, but keep it simple, as unsimple as what I just said was. And... Uh, Add on, right? So take some of the words that I say, use that as the beginning of your next sentence to help you get a little bit of like a cue into what you're gonna do. Mm. And in that way, you'll be surprised how easy it is to keep going when you just like have a few words that you get to start with, like once upon a time. I mean, most people, if they start there, can at least give me the first line of a story. Once upon a time, there was a somebody who did something, right? Like, Stop, really? Yeah. <laughs> that easy so keep it simple be obvious yeah and uh just like continue on in the moment cool sound good all right let's that do it great to me we got it we got here this. we go um, i'm actually an expert in the next thing that's about to be brought up so oh, i'm really excited for this one <laughs> um, i'm an i'm a next thingologist oh that's great you're gonna be really good at this then we'll have you go first um <laughs> Can we get a, a topic that this, this the three of us might be an expert on? Wildland fire. Wildland fire. Interesting. Anybody else? Tim is actually a professional <laughs> Santa, so he is an expert on this topic. Side note, he's right. Santa. I, were, I run the, the I flew down from the North Pole just for this. <laughs> I'm a Santa too. That's right. Um, botanical gardens. Botanical gardens. Uh, yeah, cool. Goats. I, you know, I, there's something simple and lovely about goats, and like, it's all a thing where like goats. Everybody knows about goats, but like, do we really know anything about goats? Well, let's find out. Um, oh, we're gonna take goats. Uh, thank you for all the suggestions. They were all wonderful. Yeah, clap for yourselves. Um, I forget I'm on mic sometimes. Um, cool. So, I, do you want me to start? Do you want Do you want me to start as the expert goatologist? We are all this. So here's <laughs> uh, here's the other important thing. We talk about like sharing a mind in improv a lot. Like we try to get this group mind like flow state type of thing. We are all experts on this topic. My and colleague, we I thought I recognized you from the goat conference. You're, you're crushing it already. <laughs> but what I also want to say is we all share the same information. So like at no point at no point will anything that we say conflict with any of our other thoughts. We are all exactly on the same page in terms of what knowledge we have on this topic. That's important, right? So that we never feel like we have to be like, oh, but also maybe, you know, and now let's do it. Um, is that better? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, all right. Well, hopefully in any of this was heard by anyone. Um, or not, I don't know <laughs> at this point. They'll fix it in post. Fix it in post. Cool, cool. All right, great. I'll pop it up. Excellent. Um, great. So would you like to start? You can I be the first to. expert. Um, Goats. My name's... Amelia, I'm an expert goat person, and um, <laughs> yes, and uh, a, 
we're oh, lucky. Okay. <laughs> I was inspired by goat person. Um, yes, and uh, as goat people, we are lucky to have a lot of knowledge on the topic of goats. Yes, and it's it's a very important field of study because goats exist everywhere in the entire world, and everyone has encountered a goat. Yes, and everyone who encounters a goat may notice that it has an easy time balancing on the side of the cliff of a mountain. Uh, yes, and it has an easy time balancing on the side of a cliff of a mountain because of the uh, uh, density of its hoofs. <laughs> Yes, and their horns as well serve to help them balance, kind of like wings on a bird or a person on a yeah. tightrope with a long pole. Yeah. Yes, and Cirque du Soleil actually studied goat horns for many decades to understand how to make their tightrope people more like the mountain goats. Yes, and uh, the tightrope people and the goat people uh, certainly share a lot of, of commonalities when it comes to balance. Uh, yes, and Cirque du Soleil features goats in most of their performances. Yes, and Goat du Soleil has recently rebranded to be Goat du Goat of the Mountains. <laughs> yeah, we'll stop right there. That's our scene. I didn't know you know you knew so much about goats, my man. Yes, I, I am a goat expert. I probably should have you, revealed that at the very beginning. We see you out there googling. Beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Tim and Andy, thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. This was really sure. fun. Uh, when I first started the show a couple years ago, Reno Improv was actually one of the first suggested guests for the show. Heather Goulding, who is involved in Reno Improv in, yep. in the past. I wish she was here tonight. She said, oh, you have to do an episode with Reno Improv. She was right. And uh, it, it didn't happen until now. So I'm really grateful to have both of you on the show and that we got to do it as one of our live episodes of Black Rabbit Meet. I think that this kind of show really is great to have a live audience. We have folks from Reno Improv in the audience. So yeah, give yourselves a round of applause, Reno Improv people yeah. in our crowd. I appreciate your support being here. Uh, and yeah, Tim and Annie, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. It was really good to learn about improv. Thank you for challenging me to participate a little bit. Which you did great. Very you mind fun. if I do a little plug a Rooney? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Where can people where can people find Reno Improv? I'm sure that they haven't they haven't found out so far in this episode, so we well, should let them know. From where you can find <laughs> Listen, you know our website, my man. But where you, aside from where you can find all of our incredible classes, workshops, shows, etc., we I want you to voice. know that we're running a, a, a drive to help improve our theater, to get us new chairs, new carpet, so that when you go, you have an incredible time with new carpet, new chairs, and new curtains. So you can learn more at renoimprov.org slash renovate. It's called the Reno... Word, word, word. Renovation <laughs> and improvement. Thank you, baby. <laughs> it's a renovation and improvement drive. We're working to renovate the theater. We've been uh, a staple of the Reno improv community for so long that we want to give you better chairs to yes and us from. So go to renoimprov.org slash renovate to contribute to our drive and know that we would love you so much if you did. That's right. And we are a 501c3 nonprofit, so all of your donations um, are tax deductible. What? Um, that's right. We're yes. a nonprofit? We're eligible for grants? <laughs>
That's right. We help the community with public speaking. You're, we do good things, Annie. Oh my Annie. God, look at um, us. We also, I, I, must, I will say that we are also looking to grow our board of directors. Um, so we have a small but very passionate board right now, and we would love to see our board double in size, quite frankly, over the next year. Um, so if you are listening to this or if you're in the room and you you know seem to like what we do or, or want to learn more about what we do and think you have some skills that we could bring to the table in terms of uh, our nonprofit board, we would love to talk to you more about that that as well um, i love saying i'm on the board <laughs> it makes me feel like more of a grown-up <laughs> so if for no other reason you get to find maturity uh, and 11 or 12 <laughs> other reasons that we've listed previously that's right yeah um do we have anything else to plug I don't think so. Maybe no, we do. We love you all. Uh, we would love to see you in. Yeah, we'd love to see you in classes. But another thing, uh, this is one thing we didn't get to really mention and plug is we have a Saturday workshop every single Saturday at six thirty called the Playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is uh, one of the ways that a lot of people get involved in Reno Improv and in, in a whether they become a student or a performer or whatever. Um, and it's no experience necessary. All experience is welcome. Uh, it's six dollars. Come drop in and play and hang out for the night. Um, if there's seats available for the show afterwards, that that playground seat will get you into the show too. Um, so what it's a really steal. good. Thank you, Manny. <laughs> wow, what a deal! You're a really good hype man or a hype hype, hype person. Um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think that might be it for plugs. Playground uh, is sick though because it's uh, we we accept all skill levels. You're going to be. Comp- not competing. You're going to be playing with people of all different skill levels yeah. who are simply there to watch you thrive. You're you're working there as a team. It really gets you into the setting of like the cooperative experience that improv is. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. And new yeah. new teachers every week uh, for the most part. You know, we have like a rotating group of six to eight teachers that that are dropping in and teaching that class every week. And it's it's a really good way to get involved and, and kind of. See it's low it's, stakes. Yeah, very low stakes, and something, <laughs> something, something to come like. Play. Yeah, come play with us. Exactly. Like, come have a good time. Come play with us, Danny. We really, we. <laughs> you're out of line. Uh, we really, uh, we really do have a good time, like sharing improv with people, and we love to see our community grow because, as we said earlier, and couldn't say enough, like the more people that do improv in our space, the more interesting and unique our space becomes. So uh, come hang out with us. Have, some, have a good time. And at least come check out a show or a playground. We'd, lo- we'd love to see you there. And uh, yeah, tell us that you listen to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, listeners, cool. come to the playground. Come to a show. Join a class. Folks here in the audience, stick around because we're going to do a little bit more improv. Thank you so much for being here. Bye, podcast. Adios. <laughs> listeners thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of rain whites thanks so much to the folks who came out in person really great to have a live audience for those episodes and super grateful for the folks who came to participate do q a some of the folks from the audience got up and played some improv games afterwards it was a ton of fun if you enjoyed this episode come to the next live taping we're doing another one again on thursday may 11th that's with brad bynum from elephant rifle and a former editor of the reno news and review Details on that are on my Instagram at Renoites. And if you can't make it to the live tapings, I hope you are enjoying these episodes after the fact. It's really fun to be able to share these experiences in person and then put them here on the podcast feed for you as well. This season of Renoites is produced by myself and Ember Braun. And that's all we've got for you this week. See you next time.